0: uh okay so what's an opinion that you have that might surprise people or seem unpopular
1: uh i think it is unpopular or surprise people i think i'm pretty vocal about (laughs) uh, especially to people that who know me i'm pretty vocal about what uh i think but uh i think the whole I think that, you know, uh, as, as human beings, I think we need to stop reproducing and go extinct. I think I believe in that. I don't know if that'll surprise anybody, but, uh, you know, that's that's what I believe in.
0: <laughs> well, the, <laughs> uh, stop reproducing is one thing. Going extinct is pretty, that's pretty dark. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think we
1: ever will. I, I don't <laughs> think, I think human beings are just pests on Earth, you know, we will always manage to live somehow and just, you know, keep polluting it. <laughs>
0: yeah there's something to that i remember when i first watched uh, the matrix and uh, that agent smith guys comparing us to cancer and uh, mm, that's that's yeah. stuck with me since uh, 1999 <laughs> in my so in my right? darker mode yeah i think about that a lot and, and yeah <laughs>
1: sounds true today mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> my viewfinder is a proud member of the alberta podcast network locally grown community supported CPA Alberta represents more than 29,000 CPAs, also known as Chartered Professional Accountants, across the province. CPAs are more than number crunchers who love Excel spreadsheets. They're business leaders, finance experts, trusted advisors, and entrepreneurs. They work in many different industries, from film to fashion, from government to oil and gas. Long story short, CPAs didn't just break the mold, they made their own. CPAs can help you spark your next big idea, pivot during difficult times, start your new business off on the right foot, and so much more. For an inside look at how Alberta CPAs are supporting their clients through the pandemic, follow CPA Alberta on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. You can also visit cpaalberta.ca to find out more. Is humanity really a disease or an essential part of the experience of life on Earth? And can pictures somehow help communicate and effect positive change? Or are we just doomed? Let's find out if Twinkle's surprising thought actually reflects cynicism, or perhaps an idealistic worldview. The view that we have the opportunity to do something about it, through photography or otherwise. I, I, uh, I read somewhere, I can't remember what book it was, and now I'm, now I'm pretending that I read books, but it was uh, saying something about how currently, I can't remember the historical data of urbanization, but right now I think globally the average is something like 80% of the world's population now live in um, r- medium to high density urban areas. Um, and as you brought up, uh, of course, climate change, uh, culture, etc. they all have a, a major role to play. Uh, my most, I mean, we brought up, I will see if I leave it in the cut, but the surprising and very cynical thought that you had about uh human's place in the world, um, I actually have been recently directing that against photography um, and how sort of uh, the ability for photography to uh, paint and then eventually to manipulate A sense of reality and give meaning to, let's say, commercialization, material wealth, uh, even culture, you know, to suggest that um, this IKEA uh, ceramic bowl has greater value than a handmade ceramic from a small village uh, in in any country. Um, These sort of uh, powerful image-related things have somewhat poisoned the well. I, I think I read, too, that I can't remember which uh, Polynesian country it was, but um, the American influence came very late. And, and so there were, um, you know, sociologists that had found this island and the indigenous people uh, had not yet been affected by the American ideal of beauty. And they still, you know, li- love larger women and, and the idea of what a man should like, So that stuff hadn't existed and in the moment uh, um, this this uh, market walks in with uh, magazines, etc. Uh, they have a tract incidence of yeah, social uh, eating disorders and uh, body dysmorphia and all this kind of stuff starts. The things that we accept are essentially no- sad, but kind of have become normalized in our culture. But uh, you bring up, a, despite the cynicism, that I think you believe that photography um, has a role to play to perhaps combat that. Yeah. I
1: can speak to I can speak to an example, a real life example that happened to me, and um, you know I 100% agree. I mean, you know, when you look at the advent of vloggers, you know, on YouTube, um, you know, there was recently a girl who was in Syria uh, showing everything was fine and you know it was all la la land and everything was back to normal and people were like, no, it's not. You know, there's still issue going on. Uh, people are people have real issues there, and you know, I think like anything, uh, photography can paint you know, photography can do justice or, you know, like you said, enhance, uh, you know, uh, situations like that I um, I, I, can, I can I can speak from my own learning, you know, I think in this one instance, um, when we when we look at Oaxaca, for example, I haven't been to Oaxaca, I was supposed to go, I couldn't because of COVID. But, you know, when you look at Oaxaca, um, it's in the top list of every blogger, every blogger, you know, the Instagram, you know, feeds filled with photos of Oaxaca. And when I did a lot of research into Oaxaca, you know, um, if you left the town center and you went even, you know, I don't know, 500 meters out of the town center and tried to dig in, you would actually find out that, you know, the people who are rural farmers of Oaxaca are only now living on 50, you know, cents to a dollar a day. They are going through real rapid change in that society because what has started to happen is that California has started to, export uh, vegetables to Oaxaca, and the local farmers are not able to compete to that. And so there's a huge issue with poverty there. Um, these rural farmers now, because they're running out of um, you know, livelihood, they are now trying to migrate illegally to California to work in those very farms that have actually taken their jobs. And when these farmers um, go to these um, Californian farms to work, uh, they live horrible lives. Like, you know, they can't afford to rent a place. They live in the open. There are women as well that go to work in these farms and and i'm telling you all the story is because not only i did research but one of my friend's friend actually documented that life you know um and you know so when women go into these farms they have their face covered not just for the pesticide, but also because they want to cover it so that, you know, that the person who's running the farm will not come rape them. They don't want to, you know, garner any attention towards their face. So they all live in the open, you know, women might or might not be getting raped in those fields. And and, and there's this side of Oaxaca that, you know, we have no clue of because we are looking at beautiful Oaxaca pictures of, you know, cactuses and, you know, uh, indigenous dance ceremonies and things like that. And dia de los Muertos. But, if I had not had that friend, a friend of mine who had documented this life through photography, I would just have no clue. So, you know, I think definitely photography, you know, has, um, you know, um, aggravated the situation in a lot of the cases. But I think like any other medium, uh, you know, sometimes the kind of choice is also ours. In this instance, it painted both those photos, pictures to me, you know, and I I found out about the truth and the reality because of the other photo as well um the other documentation of it as well so you know yeah i mean i agree with you um but i think yeah that you know there there can also be some good work that can be done uh you know i mean look at louis paulu i mean the work he did on as and you know not every photography leads to changes like that massive changes like that but you know it brought in some change so It brought me, you know, that particular change, which was great.
0: So, yeah. Yeah, the thing that stuck with me about um, Louis Palu, amongst all of his uh, fascinating little um, stories, is that uh, his mindset as essentially an archivist, I mean, the idea of these documentary uh, projects, that there's a drive, I I kind of hear it the way you're talking about um, the, you know, the manner in which India is portrayed uh, in media and and sort of uh, international uh, understanding. Um, There's that compulsion. There's something uh, more that needs to be revealed. Um, Is that what makes photography important? Do we need some sort of uh, larger and impactful agenda? And then the second part is this commercialization question, which is... uh, does it need a market for it to exist? You know, if you go and document this, other than it being archival, um, you know, will it have social impact if it's not commercially acknowledged? Um, so the first question is, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first question is very selfish because I I don't actually have a compulsion to go uh, and live uh, in squalor to show people what's going on. And the second one is just cynical because um, I I'm not sure if people care. <laughs>
1: yeah and you know I mean honestly when I when I talk about documenting the photographs in India uh, it started with my own vision of just wanting to you know go back in time and it started with a very romanticized idea because you know if you look at my analog work it's very romanticized past work you know I, I I love living in the past so that's how it started that you know I would wanna I would go and kind of freeze the past in in a frame and that was just for me because it it would bring me a lot of pleasure to see you know my childhood memories of circuses or you know street performers or carnivals uh you know just those little things um so it started with a very personal uh you know agenda because I wanted it for myself um you know and I think it's good to keep it that way Um, but yes as I've grown you know through photography now through exposure studio I've started to apply to different uh, competitions and open calls and things like that. The only reason I do that is so that, you know, there's maybe some, not recognition, but I can at least get to know a few more people so that by the time I do that work, hopefully it reaches more people. Whether it reaches people or not, honestly, I mean, you know, The monetary side of it was never there because I have a full-time job. And from day one, you know, I was watching this Bill Cunningham documentary and he said, you know, they can't tell you what to do if they don't pay you. And I've kept that as my motto in life that they cannot tell me what to do if they don't pay me. So I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want. But, you know, uh, this whole thing about um, documenting uh, the stories of India, it doesn't have to be particularly sad or happy. I think it's mostly with nostalgia. You know, there was this time that we all lived and it's it's going away uh, very quickly. And how do I document it before it vanishes? So whether it brings a you know difference in someone's life or not is different. I mean, you know, as photographers, we can only hope that it does, or we can continue to apply for grants or continue to put our work out there. Uh, you know, whether you know museums or galleries pick up that work or not is a different story. Uh, with the advent of social media, it's much easier to get your work out there. Uh, but you know, who knows what is going to happen? Um, and then going back to your question about, you know, is, is photography kind of worth uh, doing to tell these stories or worth even, you know, exploring? Um, I think, you know, when I started photography, I've kept this very, like, I've kept it always very simple. You know, my purpose in doing photography was to create work that hopefully someday would, you know, make someone happy or serve a purpose a serving of purpose is a very big deal. You know, it, it, it's not easily achievable. If I do that, that will be a huge bonus for me. But overall, I think it was just creating work that at some point, even if I was dead and 10 years later, somebody found it in a in a pile of boxes or whatever. If they looked through it, it would make someone happy. I think that was the idea. So, you know, we'll see what, where that goes. But, you know, when I look at photography now today, I mean, on one side, you have people like Louis Palu, but on the other side, you also have people like, albaran cabrera you know the the couple who creates this photos and uh you know uh, in gampi paper uh, in japanese like rice paper and they they put like a gold foil underneath it and they do this layered work and it's fine art but when i look at their work it brings me peace and calm in my everyday life you know it changes my life for those five minutes that i stare at their photograph so um you know it photography can be so many things uh, it can as long as it's bringing joy to somebody or it's serving a purpose to me uh, I am, I am happy achieving either one of those, um, you know, outcomes. And if I can do any of that, I think, I think I'll be happy.
0: I was, uh, at, a, I can't remember which talk, but I think it was George Weber said this, but it's been a theme too with, uh, Rani Matar said this and, and Mark Seely and actually all of our speakers, uh, Andrew Jackson and Louis Palu, but, uh, the sort of play on words for photographers, uh, uh, there was so the the George Weber one was I think it was on street photography, and someone was asking about ethics and all this stuff and um he had a you know a formal administrative answer about charter rights and in you know, public spaces, but he said at the end at the end of the day, it's about you being able to answer the question of whether you are trying to show your subject in their best light um and I think there's this uh, i mean it might be a bit naive. Uh, uh, or idealistic, but it, it's something that's uh, been a hard question for me to answer, I think, uh, what that actually means. Um, but I think I hear it in the way you speak, uh, which is this, uh, I mean, despite uh, you putting on the air of being a cynic and wanting humanity to end, I think, uh, <laughs> I think the opposite's probably true. Uh, it sounds like you um, want to share a sense of peace in spite of whatever humanity as a whole seems to be doing. And again, we get we could talk all night about the media and how things are portrayed. And are things even actually worse or do we just get too much information? We, when I th- think about Black Lives Matter and how many civil rights movements, women's rights, and and go, that's not even going to global. I mean, you, you brought up how India struggled to even establish itself. There's so much conflict. I mean, think... I read they're theoretically starting some battlefronts with China too. I I don't know. It's the real world is so much more complex than uh, than I want to believe. Uh, yeah,
1: it's yeah. You no, know, you're right. I mean, you know, and even with Black Lives Matter, all that conversation probably for another day because it's a longer conversation. But yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when people talk about racism and, you know, things now coming to the forefront, it's always been there, you know, uh, I can speak to so many topics. I mean, the the foreign worker thing that, you know, the, the migrant farmers in, in Southwest Ontario, I mean, I was a temporary foreign worker in this country and, you know, the experiences I've gone through is not the best. I mean, I have very dark memories of being in Canada in the first few years and even today they haunt me, you know, it's sometimes hard for me when people say, oh, you're in Canada, are you happy? And it's hard for me to answer that question because... Um, you know, after four years of going through those personal experiences, I I wasn't sure if it was worth it to be here, you know, but um, again, longer conversation, but yeah, like you said, I mean, the issues have always been there. Uh, And and I was just talking to my friend over the weekend and, you know, she brought up a good point. She said, you know, if you look at uh, writers from the 1970s, you know, they had the same thing They were so frustrated with life. And, you know, that's how the whole movement in California started, you know, Uh, there was John Lennon and all these people wanting, you know, world peace and thing like that. And you know, I said to her, "Yeah." I mean, I, I think every every generation, when you look at look at a writer or you know, a philosopher or an artist, you will always find these voices of frustration. You know, maybe now it gets amplified more and more because of media. But you know, I feel because of media, also it's become a lot easier to to put more fuel to the fire as well. Because again, another conversation. But you know, I think when I look at India, the political situation there there's like there's mass manipulation happening through just media alone so i think uh it has it is probably it is the same issues that we've always had but i think they get fanned a lot more now because it's easier to do so because of social media mm-hmm. um but a conversation i'm sure for another day because it's, it's a lengthy thing to discuss
0: yeah hopefully at the end of exposure studio we can actually i, I keep dreaming that I mean, it won't be everybody. Uh, there are quite a, a diverse group of uh, individuals in this uh, package, but it'd be amazing if some kind of uh, seedling, you know, collective could start, yeah, and so we could have conversations like this—not necessarily for, in my case, a self-interest to uh, publish something on a podcast, but even a roundtable discussion. Uh, and you brought up earlier, and I, I firmly believe this too, and this is a little bit of a narrow sightedness, but I think there's great creative talent in Calgary um, and uh, what it's going to take for Calgary first and then whatever larger stage um, to see. Somebody gave me this uh, sort of reflection that there are actually, I can't remember, a certain number of famous musicians and artists that have actually come from Calgary, but they don't publicly acknowledge it uh, you know things like that are fascinating um, and kind of inspiring for me to kind of uh, push against it but uh, I mean it's why I'm speaking to you I, I think if I can uh, get as many people in this group uh, in front of other people I think it would be important for anyone listening to understand that there's beautiful photography out here
1: you know I agree you know and and especially with exposure this year, um, you know, SETI is the magazine that gets published.
0: Yes. Sanya's great. Yeah.
1: I mean, oh my God. I was like I picked up the magazine and I was like, oh my God, this is one of the best photography magazines I've seen in my life. Cause, know i mean there's that analog nostalgia obviously but i mean the work is just insane the work they pick up that gets curated and gets put into and i feel because of george Weber's, you know darkroom Class at the ufc uh, or sate i forget i think it's it um you know there is amazing analog work happening in calgary Uh, i think better analog than even digital sometimes when you dig into it or maybe satis is doing a better job curating it but oh my god i was just so surprised to see that work it was just amazing i mean every photographed in that book. And don't get me wrong, sometimes there are international calls as well. It's not majority Calgary, but the work in Calgary that is there for Analog, yeah, it's it's um, it was very shocking and in a very, very good way.
0: I don't know. I'm just trying to think from our previous sort of set-up conversation. Is there anything in your mind that uh, we should kind of take a last look at? You know, I have this thought all of a sudden listening to you that uh, there could be other narratives that maybe we can explore by publishing articles or having these uh, in text format instead of having to keep you on a phone call for uh, more than an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> which, and, uh, I mean, you know, conversation is always great, and especially when you have somebody like you who comes from maybe similar background a little bit and, you know, I have we uh, really share some of the worldviews. I think it makes the conversation that much just, you know, informal and it just flows naturally. So uh, it might get harder to pin it down. Who knows? Uh, but no, it was great. Uh, you know, there's just so many conversations. I think this will continue. I mean, you know, see, once the studio thing is over, we meet for coffee. I think this conversation will only continue. But, you know, I mean, I have the same things in mind that anybody else has, you know, I mean, looking through my past history, you know, identity crisis, what that means to be here. You know, when I'm in Canada, I'm, go back to where you came from. When when I'm in India, when I'm talking about Indian politics, my friends tell me, you know, you're a traitor, you're a Canadian citizen, you don't even, you're not even an Indian, why do you have a say in Indian politics? You know, it's how do you fit in anywhere and nowhere at the same time? You know, there are so many of those conversations that, you know, it can, it is worth exploring, but it's, yeah, it's just, it is constantly going on in your mind. Like, how do you, how do you, um, you know, address those issues in life? Um, You know, and looking at your history, like, my something that I haven't mentioned in this call is that my grandparents were from Bangladesh, um, you know, overnight when India got divided into Bangladesh and India, Bangladesh becoming East Pakistan and India becoming India. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, we talk about, um, you know, wrongful things. We talk about, you know, if something doesn't go right anymore. You know, we go on Twitter, we we talk to the mayor or whatever. Uh, but I can't imagine, can you, you know, like overnight where you're living is not your country anymore and you have to pick up your bags and go and so my grandparents were from Bangladesh. And, you know them moving to india uh you know they lost everything uh, moved to india with nothing on them and you know that story you know i was recently trying to you know talk to my grandmother uh, and ask her those stories and she didn't want to talk about it you know it was a very painful process and and you know that was a huge realization for me this week uh you know we talk a lot about you know searching for one's identity and looking at our past history and you know, I mean, after that conversation, and I was very sad and angry after that conversation, because my mother told me other things that, you know, my grandmother, they were all put in a camp when they moved to India, they had nowhere to go, you know, the poverty and all that. And that just made me angry and sad. And I was like, you know, I know the history a little bit. I know it through other people's lens. Yes, my granddad and my grandmother, they all had to go through these issues. But I was like, you know, is that anger and despair? Uh, going to help me bring, you know, is, is it helping me right now? It's not. It's just being, making me more angry than I am. It's, you know, frustrating to hear all that. So what can I do currently that can help people? You know, if I talk about that West Bank called Bangladesh region, there are, there are still people who need help. You know, maybe I can create a purpose now to help them. There is no point for me at this, you know, at the, at this moment in time to look at the past and get angry and feel miserable because it's not being productive for me at this moment. Uh, I would love to know the history, but if it is you know not productive for me, i I don't want to pursue that at this point. And I would rather, you know if I go back, I would rather do more community work uh, to to make positive difference in those communities and for people that are actually living now, rather than you know my grandparents who you know my grandfather or you know his parents were long gone. So you know, it's a harsh realization. We all want to explore the history and where we come from, and it's good to know history, but I think that really put things into perspective for me that, you know, it is a very painful process. I'm not going to explore that. Uh, Maybe in the future I will, but right now I don't want to explore that part. I'd rather use that time and that anger to make a difference in the lives of people today rather than trying to dig something that I really can't help. I can't go back to the past and, you know, change what my grandparents have gone through um, or, you know, or what my family even still to this day just kind of getting used to. I, I can't change some of that but what i can change is you know make a very positive contribution to maybe some of the communities that are present in those areas right now so you know i would focus on that so i think that was a good epiphany a uh, good realization that i had recently uh, you know there, there you know moving to canada made me realize that you know immigration is not easy i mean i legally migrated can you imagine becoming refugees to your own country overnight you know i mean you're just told this part of canada is now you know, it belongs to Russia, and you have to move to Canada, and you have nothing, you can't take anything with you, you just have to move to, you know, Ontario. Uh, I can't, I can't fathom that idea. I don't know how they, you know, even make peace with that. But, you know, I mean, history is good to know, to question and to learn from and to not make the mistakes again. But sometimes I think when you start digging in too much into your own personal history, uh, you have to see how, you know, I don't know, Uh, for me, at least, it was a good realization that it wasn't bringing me peace and happiness it was bringing me a lot of anger and sadness and it wasn't productive i kind of moved away from that this weekend i decided to not explore that anymore um but yeah i mean you know there's so many conversations and themes and things that we all have gone through and that you know we can talk about but uh, yeah i'm sure this conversation will continue
0: yeah thank you so much i mean it's uh it's inspiring i i have uh very similar experience actually uh, starting to research um my past. So everything you're saying, I'm kind of, it's it's like I'm sitting in an exposure studio, uh, talk. I, I you're, you're speaking about your experience and I'm realizing, um, how similar, I mean, you know, it's never going to be the same cause we haven't lived the same life, but how similar these structures are, uh, you know, my grandparents Korean war, you know, that was a impoverished third world country until probably the eighties, um, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I think the two things, I guess, for me is uh, I'm learning through my life. Uh, and, and again, this is, I don't know how many times uh, I've become much more spiritual. So I'm no longer agnostic. But I guess that God gives me this message <laughs> to put that strongly, which is that we're not alone in our experiences. And I think photography is a weird thing where uh, it can be both social, but it becomes very isolating because you tend to be. Um, looking through your own viewfinder essentially um but when i meet other photographers uh it's amazing how much there's a shared experience that maybe drives us to love um this craft so much um and the and the other thought i had uh i i, I can't remember if it was uh, a zen buddhist book or i think it was about self-reflection but it sounds very similar that uh that there's uh this this yeah this whole of uh Looking at the past and digging away, uh, digging at all of these negative aspects of our lives uh, is endless and leads to destruction unless you do it with uh, you know, grace and uh, and some joy, ironically. And I I don't know, um, you know, I guess maybe my thought is uh, the only time I actually feel that way is when I speak to like-minded people. So in this case yourself or some of the friends I've made in Calgary, um, it feels a little bit lighter to hear the common struggles. Uh, so I'll disagree with you. I I don't think we should uh, eradicate humanity. I, I would be too lonely. I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I think uh, maybe we just, you know, try to be more pleasant to each other. Now I'm just being childish, but uh, yeah, more hugs, less yelling. Yeah,
1: and and when I say eradicate, I, what I mean is, you know, when Luis said like we, are, we are, when we when we talk about climate change, we're not talking about nature because nature is here to stay, and not the environment. Uh, it's just yeah you know it's like when the meteor hit and the dinosaurs went extinct overnight I I think that was a very quick process but I think with humanity it's just you know I mean again I don't want to end it with this darkness but it's just yeah it's a very slow process right and a lot of people are paying the most price that have reaped the less the least amount of benefit from this you know and I think it's it's good that there are people like you know us maybe we're not making a change but at least being aware of those issues is the first step that we take towards you know bringing in any change i think at least we are being aware uh you know there's definitely a lot of movement now happening uh, which is making more and more people aware as well so that's a great thing i think that's the positive side to all of it but yeah I, you know i mean it would be nice if humanity was here to stay and you know our, our culture and our memory stayed throughout but it's just yeah even when you see it it just looks like a very slow painful process of of debt but uh but you know yeah but you know what we are past we are here to live I mean (laughs) you will kill all of and everybody and then you know there'll be two two people who will I'm sure procreate and and fill the world again so uh yeah I don't think we are going away that easily but uh no I think you know talking to you has been real pleasure um because like you said I think photography can be a very lonely thing when you look through your viewfinder you're out there taking photos you're just contemplating, you're meditating, you're focusing. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, like through your own experiences, I think you, you see certain things a lot more than others. And I think talking to um, you gives me kind of, you know, affirmation that there are more people like yourself in Calgary uh, that, that are going through similar questions that I've been questioning myself with. And so it'll be great when we finally can eventually get together and talk about those things. But I would love to. I would love to know about your background and your experience. I mean, it sounds very fascinating.
0: Well, well, we'll uh, we'll meet up and we'll figure out how to save the world. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. simple. One picture at a time. Uh, uh, thank you for spending so much energy with me. I I really appreciate it. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you re- you know agreed to do this. It's uh, it's nice to essentially digitally meet you. Yeah outside of instagram
1: <laughs> no thank you uh thank you for having me very very kind of you to have me i you know like i said i'm very new to the crap but yeah i mean this was an amazing conversation and uh, gives me a lot of hope uh about people like-minded people in calgary and you know just just that yeah like you said you have also gone through similar experience i would like to talk more about that in the future you know uh but yeah like digging through your past history and sometimes is it worth it or not or questioning those things as well I think that will
0: be a good conversation in the future. So, no, thank you. And so that was my sit-down with Twinkle. It's amazing how much depth is attained the more we experience and see the world. Twinkle is a woman who has placed herself in many experiences and it shows. It shows in our conversation and more importantly in her photographic work. I'm glad to have met her and I look forward to watching her rouse the world into positive spiritual action, one photo at a time most beautiful sight you've ever seen?
1: Oh, there are so many. I think I think in general, it's just, you know, when you're sitting somewhere by yourself, and there's this sort of meditative, you know, sense, uh, sitting, you know, among nature. I think that's just in general, just beautiful. I mean, you just have to be in the right frame of mind to take it. But I think if you're alone, Uh, you know somewhere and you just look at something and you're able to connect to it at a more universal level I think that's important Um, you know it could be a park it could be in my bed on Monday morning when I just don't want to wake up and I'm I'm hearing all the birds chirping in the park I think you know it's just taking that moment I think Uh, you know that can be anywhere Uh, but it depends on how open you are to it too.
0: Today I want to tell you about ATV's new podcast the future of. Join Todd Hirsch, ATP's Vice President and Chief Economist, as he connects with special guests who offer unique and useful perspectives about the future. Explore how our economy and communities not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. From the future of women in business to the changing nature of work itself, the future of helps understand what's coming. And what we need to do today to get to the tomorrow we want featuring two episodes each month plus bonus episodes the future of includes interviews with top community and business leaders from alberta and around the world subscribe to the future of in the apple store google play spotify and everywhere podcasts are found and connect to ask your questions about the future by emailing thefutureof@atb.com. At i hope you've already subscribed if you can rate the podcast, send me some comments about how things are going, what your thoughts are on particular touch points with my guests, Uh, volunteer yourself to get on my show, or just tell all your photographic and non-photographic people to get on this bus. Um, I hope that through these conversations we can keep learning uh, more about the philosophic approaches to photography and really uh, life itself.